Welcome to the podcast. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about how Marty and I are getting out there and we're and we're trying to be a little bit more social. And uh, Marty's going to be flying out doing a little bit of a trip. We're going to catch up on a lot of COVID news. What's going on with the Canadian border, uh, vaccine boosters. We're also going to talk about, can I ask my coworkers if they've gotten the vaccine? We also have a lot of tech news out there. Amazon's acquisition of MGM and what that means to franchises like James Bond. We're going to talk about some interesting things coming out of the Apple versus Epic case, as well as the case with Google and them preventing users from not sharing data. We're also going to talk about legislation and policies around privacy and control over your own data. And then we're going to wrap up with some news around Google pulling the plug on Google Photos being completely free and what this means for consumers. And we're going to offer a great tech tip as a alternative. All this and more coming up on the Sunday Brunch. Enjoy. Welcome to the Sunday Brunch and happy Pride Month to all of our listeners. This is a weekly news show where we ask the big question on the week's tech, science, culture, medicine, you name it. And I am joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Dr. Marty. Uh, Marty, how has your week been? Hey, Matt. Um, I have to say it hasn't been all that eventful, but I'm working my way up to an eventful week because I'm about to go travel to the heartland. Ooh, and, and, and whereabouts in the heartland? Um, I'm doing a Midwest mini tour. I'm going to be in uh, Illinois, Michigan, and, and Minnesota, uh, family and friends and all of them. I am, I am a Midwesterner at, at my core. That's why I'm so kind and sweet. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? Uh, you know, it, it's been good. I, I'm labeling it as uh, the extrovert spring um, because I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, you know... Memorial Day weekend, of course, is a big social weekend. People want to get together, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but I feel like there's been like this social debt that has to be paid of these people who are mm-hmm. like, well, we haven't seen you in a year. We really need to get together. And so and so every time I turn around, you know, I'm being texted like, you know, what about this day? What about that day? And so we had back to back to back events o- over the long weekend. So we had, you know, a dinner on Friday, uh, you know, a get together on Saturday with some friends and then and then also kind of a uh, a coworker of mine had a barbecue over at their house. And so it was just back to back to back. But I mean, I think I experienced very similar to you sort of this. Do you wear a mask when you go to the event? Do you not? You know, people are still like, you know, are, you know, a little bit distant, you know, but some are getting a little bit closer. Like, I think we're still trying to figure this out. And also, I felt like I there were moments where like we're having these conversations and we're not quite back to our previous game. So, so, we're, so, so there, there was a couple of times where I was like, I was like, are we not like, like socially ready for this? You know? So it was kind of an interesting experience over the long weekend. You know, um, it reminded me, do you remember the planet of the apes franchise that they tried to relaunch in oh, yeah. the early two thousands? Yeah. There was a part of one of them. I think the old human was played by Chris Christopherson or someone in, in one of the early movies. I don't know if he was throughout and he and a little girl are like, they finally have a wooden cage removed or some kind of cage and they're free now. And I just remember the look of one of the two characters at the ape of the like, is this safe? <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do now that this, that this cage is in there. Do I trust you? I'd, and I, I kind of feel like I'm on the, on the planet of the apes right now in that I don't know. I feel like that that person is like, I, I can I trust you? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's an extrovert spring because I'm an extrovert. But it's also um, an extrovert who has anxiety. Um, it's not. It's not quite springtime. We're still dealing with the um, thunderstorms. 
And and have you gone out to eat? Are you starting to mm-hmm. kind of kind of try things yeah. now? Okay. You'd be proud of me. I went out twice this week, and these are the two total times I've been out since to eat since the pandemic started um, in 2020. So fancy meals like McDonald's. What are we talking here? Um, lunch at a snazzy place known for cocktails, but I wasn't ready for that. And um, a all you can eat. Korean barbecue, which Ooh, I'm still dealing with the repercussions of, even though I love it. <laughs> now, do you run the grill or do you not run the grill? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. You, you're, oh, yeah. You're, you're the grill master. Yeah. I, I usually give that responsibility over to my husband and I, and I'm a big fan of the bulgogi beef. That, that oh, bulgogi is delicious. Yeah. yeah, it is because they put a sweetness in there with the onions and give it a lot of flavor. Yeah. We were getting creative last night. And so we ate up some things. You're like, I, Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, but it was okay. I I also like the seafood pancake and the oh that's good the like bippity bop the with the oh bibimbap 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 I really like that too with kind of the with, with the crunchy rice is also it oh, is it's also delicious here yeah delicious delicious good I love all of it I lo- I like the weird meats also I mean I I grew up eating weird meats so like tongue is not something that bothers me or those kinds of things where others are like ew give it to me I'll eat it. Did, did your parents do liver and onions? I have had liver and onions from my parents. Um, I grew up eating chopped liver, which um, in a fancier in a fancier world might be called foie gras, even though it's not necessarily goose. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. See, I'm not a liver and onions guy, and so I can't I can't do it. So. Yeah, and and then uh, some of the weird meats I can't do, or like my grandfather really, he, he liked beef so much he could take raw ground beef and eat it on a cracker, and I'm like, yeah, no way, no way. Um, raw beef is good. I don't know if I I would have it ground because it's so likely to cause foodborne illness, and when it is ground like that, but um, the versions of tartare that exist, there's a good one. Like there's a Middle Eastern version called kibbe, which is I, I actually think a lot of times it is ground. Oh my God. Oh, so good. But you got to be careful. You do have to be careful. You can get some nasty parasites from that stuff. Yeah. No, no way. Well, my, my grandfather, he was raised on a, on a, he, he like did cattle and all that kind of stuff. So he was yeah, kind of so raised around that he, stuff. Yeah. And so, and so yeah, beef was a big part of his, you know, his childhood and everything. But I'm like, no, I, I would rather have it cooked. And that's why I have a, a meat thermometer and I test all of my stuff. I'm very, yeah, I'm one of those. That's very oh, you're, you're one of those. Yeah. I, I'm not like that. I just keep thinking that I have a fairly strong immune system especially after getting all these vaccinations and dealing with COVID and stuff. I'm like, oh no, I'm invincible now. That's not true. I'm paranoid as anything. <laughs> I, I, totally I, paranoid. You should invest in those Thermapro Thermapens, the instant read thermometers. They're they are great for food. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I highly, highly recommend. Look at you, ad placement. We should find Thermapro yeah, and find yeah. out if they're willing to sponsor this this podcast. Sponsor the neurotic co-hosts who are concerned about Yeah, I know. <laughs> haven't caught on yet that's kind of that's kind of our deal you either have to you either have to find that endearing or if you find it annoying i'm sorry it's just who we are well i i i went to the gym without a mask so <gasps> i did yeah yeah i i actually you know you know went there without a mask um in here here in colorado people are we're getting into that funky stage where it's like some places you wear a mask some places you don't so i'm finally feeling confident enough uh to not wear it but i'm still weird about hand sanitizer i always keep a bottle with me and then i'm not i'm never quite sure you know like like i'm like okay so the silverware is in plastic okay that's good oh the silverware is wrapped in a napkin i'm not so sure 
So I mean, Wait, I, is I'm, this at the gym or is you have silverware at the gym? Oh no 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 no, no no I'm sorry. I, I just 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 going out to restaurants. I'm still uh, I'm okay. still a yeah, little yeah, yeah. like like a little funky about uh, about like I'm I'm still I have hand sanitizer with me at the gym. Um, I'm not doing the mask thing, but when I go out to restaurants. I am, I, I, it's like you wear a mask when you go in and then you take it off when you sit down. And so we're still trying to like figure out all that kind of stuff. But like the silverware part, I'm like, does it look clean? It looks clean. You know, I'm putting this in my mouth. Like I'm a little concerned about some of those things. Are still yeah, no, I'm with about. you. I'm with you. I like chopsticks for this reason. Yeah. Granted, I've only gone out twice and one of them was Korean barbecue. <laughs> but um, we'll, we'll see how, how I progress. You know, when, when I'm going to um, the Midwest, um, I am worried about the airplane. Um, but I'm also trying to see because, you know, it's you're you're right next to Canada, right. and and the summers around that time are beautiful to drive to Toronto or their other cities. Um, the thing is, Canada's borders are obstinately closed, um, and they have been obstinately closed. There are lots of people who, I mean, especially people who live on border towns, um, who've been trying to get back and forth. And there are certain exceptions that people can make and take, but most of the people are trapped on the opposite side of the border, especially if they're not a Canadian citizen. So um, Canada has now been slated on June 21st to come out and say what they will do on June 21st from then on or what their plan of action is. But their their prime minister Trudeau had come out and said like, until the world's um, outlook on COVID is significantly better, we're not budging. So Canada's really taken a hard line on this. And, and, and what do you think he means by outlook on COVID? Right. It's vague enough to not really know. And he might not have used, um, those words might have been a pair, they were a paraphrasing on, on mine, uh, of mine. But they, I, well, like we have stuff going on, right? So um, there is a spiking in a lot of the countries that didn't have COVID before. So India is still dealing with it. But then you have like Taiwan, Japan, Korea are dealing with it. Um, Vietnam is dealing with it. Nepal is dealing with it. Vietnam, they just found another variant that was a hybrid of the UK and the India variants, which is oh. already problematic, right? So anything I, special I, with this variant? You know, um, they believe it's more contagious. I mean, the, the, the India one was was very contagious, very nasty, but the the UK one was pretty contagious. It was very contagious too. Um, so it's more for people who had one, if they had the UK variant and now they have one that is the India variant and UK variant, then in some ways, um, you might be able to have immunity to it if you had either or, or conversely. And if you had the UK and you get this new hybrid UK India variant, you might not have that immunity anymore because it's changed just enough. So uh, it could, it could based on the vaccines and what the vaccine companies have to do for their booster shots that some are thinking about making. There, there's all these things going on where people don't really have a clue yet of what's going to work. And if you look at how COVID has been hitting the world, um, we are uh, we are blissfully ignorant in a lot of ways in, in at least Southern California, where we had it terribly, if you remember, about six months ago. But now we are you know, we're, we're quite comfortable, but you see it going on a wave through the world. So when other people are looking at California and thinking, oh my God, that's a terrible situation. How could they deal with that? Well, now they're the countries that are dealing with that. And it's like a wave at a baseball stadium. It just keeps going around. So when does that momentum stop? Um, I there There's a great um, website. If you, uh, I can't remember the, I'll, I'll get it to you at the break, 
but uh, there's, a, there's a website that you can find where it actually gives you the projections of each country, and if you're in the United States, each state in the country, of three possible scenarios, like the, the probably the worst and the best cases. And um, it's, it is good to see what September is probably going to look like, and we tend to look pretty taken care of here. Um, but if you look at other countries, if you go back to Europe, and it's all based on vaccinations. The longer they are without vaccines, the more people are going to suffer. So um, the world situation is still what it is. It's still kind of messy. It's and we can we can kind of become uh, like the opposite of globally thinking about this. We're very, very much into our own backyards and we don't think about the broader context because it doesn't involve our world the same way. We're not traveling to Canada at a regular. We're not going across the world for things. We're still dealing with can I eat at a restaurant now without a mask? Our questions are more localized. So I think we're going to continue this trend for a little while. Oh, you got me going in the COVID corner again today, Matt. Well, I, I do have a question for you. Um, I, I was I was wondering if you had heard, you know, because we have been hearing quite a bit about, you know, the boosters are coming, the boosters are coming, you know, you know, expect that. Um, with all these variants going around, do you expect, is the booster going to be like, hey, we've we've heard of all these variants. We're going to give you the booster to address all of those things. Um, wh wh what are sort of your thoughts or what are you hearing about, uh, you know, about these boosters? So I don't know the exact mechanisms that um, the, the pharmaceutical companies are using to create the boosters. But if it's anything like a flu vaccine, you have people whose job it is every year who are like biomathematicians and epidemiologists and people who know how to look at the molecular structure and the rate of mutation of certain bases and subsequently proteins that'll end up changing um, to model all the different possibilities and track where the mutations are happening, when they're happening, and how quickly they're happening so that they can guess what this next year is going to look like if the mutations continue along that route. Now, if it's like the flu virus, sometimes they're spot on and the vaccine that's given is perfectly aligned to the shape of the proteins that are going to be attacking your body and is a very effective vaccine. Other years, they do, they do their best to assume and they are like 50% successful in it. Um, I don't know what our boosters are going to look like. And as you pointed out very keenly, uh, we, we are, are making a, a guesstimate of what we think these next variants are going to be. But we also know from molecular biology that there are certain parts of a nucleic acid that are more likely to mutate for whatever reason, wherever they're located in their sequence, what's sitting next to them on either side, what's across from them, that some mutations are just more likely to happen. So knowing that too, and what has happened with COVID so far, I think they're going to be able to do a pretty good job of creating a booster vaccine for this. A good question. Yeah. yeah, I was just I was just curious because, you know, we I mean, I think we're all expecting it. And I think we've even talked about on earlier episodes like, you know, th it, this could be something like the flu shot, like you just get it every year and, and, and you have protection. <laughs> I think that's it. But, you know, I heard rumor. I, I didn't find a confirmation of this in media that if you have had COVID and you have gotten vaccinated, then you will never need a booster. Now, I haven't seen this myself. This came from someone else who is not a medical professional also. And this, this is what I heard. So maybe these rumors are starting to, to spread, but I wouldn't be completely surprised because I think that the amount of antibodies and the different types of memory, because my version of COVID or your version of COVID might have been different than the version of an antibody that was generated from a vaccine. 
And so you might have a diverse uh, set of, of immune cells working against a COVID infection already if you had both forms. And I, I think that that they're, I'm, I'm very interested to see what we learn about that kind of immunity in the future. Well, and in, in, in sort of speaking in that same vein, because it's it's COVID corner, you know, many Americans across the U.S. are are, are now returning back to work. Um, and, and we know, you know, many educators are, are, are back in the classroom. Students are returning back to the classroom. Um, and I know I know even for my workplace, you know, we're, we're starting to make these plans to um, come back. And so, you know, the New York Times, you know, had a had a fairly big article that was, you know, titled, Can I Ask My Coworkers If They've Had the COVID Vaccine? So, so, so Marty, I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, n- not uh, not only from your professional background, what do you think about asking asking people, you know, about their vaccine status, but also personally, you know, as we're coming into this workforce and we're asking about it, um, you know, I, I've seen people do sort of different mechanisms or survey mechanisms. Some, some people are comfortable, some people aren't. Um, is it okay to be asking people if they've been vaccinated? I mean, I'm not sure the right way to think about this, to be completely honest. I, I mean, I remember, because I'm just a couple years older than you, I think, uh, that in the 80s, when people would would divulge their HIV status, um, that it was viewed as a right to know. So, that, you know, the, the, the case of Ryan White, you know, that in school is this, this kid who, from a blood transfusion, developed HIV. He, he was not allowed to attend that school anymore because everyone was scared. Now, at that time, I don't know the status if people understood that it wasn't contracted through aerosols in the air or that it wasn't a touch-based thing. It was really from blood or, or you know, reproductive fluids. I don't know. But when we're unsure about something and we don't know the, the safety, um, it's very easy to be very scared and to assume that, that it's public health information and everybody has to know. Um, it's a HIPAA violation in general to do that. I mean, now you're not supposed to tell someone's status of whatever they have. You're like, even if that person clearly is is working with some kind of condition from a disease, you know, if, if somebody is with a walker, um, you don't you don't say, oh, what's your deal? Were you hit by a car? Do you have cerebral palsy? Like, you don't you don't ask that. It's actually not one's business, um, as long as they're able to do their thing. For COVID, personally, I want to know who's vaccinated and who's not. But my thought on all of this is, if it is a public health issue, then um, then if you don't, if it can't be assumed that you've been vaccinated, can it be assumed that you're safe, which is different. And I think that being safe could include, have you been vaccinated before? Or have you been tested within a certain duration of time? And I think that's fair. So I keep saying this is the UK model, the UK model, but you know, interestingly, the UK is getting away with that model. They're doing away with it because um, they're going to have problems with, I think, their conservatives on, on making it mandatory in order to attend large gatherings that everybody has to show what they call their passport, their, their, their vaccine passport, their COVID passport. Um, so I like the, the essence of what they're getting at, that you don't have to show me your COVID status. You don't have to share with me your vaccination status. You just have to share with me that you're safe. And I, th- I think that that's really fine. But is there a way to do that that's really easy? Uh, I was I was hoping that this UK version was going to be the way that, um, you know, the, the, the model for the world, but maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting because, I mean, I mean, we talk about returning back to work and, and, and I think, you know, a number of my, my colleagues have, have said, 
you know, it's like we hear like 80% in this office are vaccinated and, and, but, but there's also some offices where, you know, 80% are not vaccinated. And so um, if, you know, you know, depending on where you're at in that line, you have concerns either way. So, I mean, it's just, and then it's just interesting. And then also, you know, those that are attending concerts and, you know, large social gatherings and those type of things. Um, there, there's, of course, some questions about, there's, you know, right. registering to go to these events and putting your name on it. I, I don't think any of them are, are asking whether or not you're vaccinated, but but they do want to, if something happens, they do want to be able to trace it back and be able to contact those people. So right. it's just interesting at this time, you know, on, on you know, as people are returning back to these events or back to work. Well, what is I, what is your workplace doing for this? Because mine, mine actually kind of fits into this awkward model of how they're dealing with it. But what is your workplace doing? We're still doing the uh, we're still doing health surveys. So when you come into the office, you know, we 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 want you to fill out, you know, do you have a fever? All of those kind of basic things, and, and you just fill it out on your own. Um, we are saying masks when it's interacting with the public. Um, and, and we actually heard something different was that, was that managers can ask about vaccination status. So, mm. um, so managers can, you know, you know, can certainly ask about it, but, um, but we're not, we're not wearing like, uh, you know, you know, a button that says I've been vaccinated or, or a pin or anything that's, that, that, that's, uh, <laughs> but I voted. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, but I have heard, uh, you know, you know, in some of the discussions that we've had about, you know, this new workplace model, and we're looking at hoteling and in in sort of renting spots, you know, when you need them. But I think I think a good chunk of the population is still going to be working from home. Um, it is interesting to sort of hear the other side, um, you know, of our workforce who's like, well, I'm not vaccinated, so I'm you know I'm going to wear masks full time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and so and, and I think that's fine, you know, I think that 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 it's their choice, and and if they want to wear a mask, that that's great. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting, but yeah, I mean, for, for the New York times to have that massive headline, I'm like, I think we've all been sort of asking about that. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, are you vaccinated and are, is there going to be establishments that you, you know, only vaccinated folks go to versus not like, where will this go exactly? Right, 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 right. I mean, it's interesting that you have these conversations about who can bake a wedding cake. Um, but you know, and, and there being a, a religious exemption allowed for such a thing. Um, but a public health exemption for the vaccine status, not necessarily. I know that in my in my workplace, HR did not go ahead and ask people, but they allowed us to voluntarily submit our vaccine status to them so they know who for sure was. But without that, that notification doesn't mean you necessarily aren't. It just means you haven't voluntarily shared it with them. So I, I think there's some weird roundabout ways that we're taking for this. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. I mean, there are. There are going to be so many hurdles on getting back to the workplace. We have meetings about this at least once a week about, I mean, because we're still remote. It sounds like you're back in, but we are so fretting having to get back together. I mean, you got to work with students too. When they, when everybody comes back, there's so many people's perspectives that we have to take into account. And I know last week when we, when we talked with Justine um, and got to hear what, uh, you know, the public schools are like, I, I'd imagine that, uh, any organization that is in, in involving an onslaught of people to be coming back, um, we're all trying to map out systems and figure out the best way to um, forecast how to, how to avoid more problems. There's going to be a lot of problems. Going to be a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just yeah, it's just interesting, and I know that uh, 
you know, I, I've been curious to see, uh, you know, what percentage of my population, my my workforce is, you know, is vaccinated. I'm, but it's just more or less curiosity. And so, yeah, I have seen a lot of those surveys where it's like, fill it out on your own. You don't have to, but you can tell us <laughs> yes or no. And then we can sort of figure out. Yeah. Uh, but there's no guarantees in that, right? I mean, so, so nope. somebody can say nope. I'm vaccinated whether I, whether I That's am. That's right. You I'm can lie. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, no, but, but it's been, but I, but I feel like for, most of you know our organization. A lot of people um, have gotten vaccinated, but we do have some rural offices who you know who we are seeing some slightly different numbers than than uh, you know in sort of our metro offices. So yeah, it's it's very interesting to see. Yeah. All right. So with our audience thinking about their own vaccine statuses, if they're going back to work in the next couple of months, um, what it's going to be like if they want to ask the person sitting next to them on the airplane if they've been vaccinated or not, which I'm actually unafraid to do, I would be that bold. Um, We're gonna give you a, a brief moment here as you get a word from our sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Wet Panda Dry Bags. You know, it's pretty basic to think about dry bags, but it's so important. You know, when we're headed out to paddleboard or we're headed out to hike, um, I reach for my dry bag all the time because, you know, I have a digital camera, I have different equipment with me, and I am not always confident that my backpack is completely waterproof. So I just tuck it into my dry bag and I know that it's going to stay safe. And I even pack a wet panda bag in my gym bag because, you know, if I'm swimming, I can toss my swimming suit into the dry bag and close it up. And I know that the rest of my bag isn't going to get wet and nasty. So check out Wet Panda. They are exclusively sold on eBay. Just search Wet Panda dry bags and look for that panda paw. Thank you so much, Wet Panda, for your sponsorship of the Sunday Brunch. And we are back. Um, we now have the link provided for you from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation from the University of Washington, which does a great job forecasting COVID. And I want to change gears and talk about Amazon. Um, is that is that all right, Matt? Because this is my favorite. I, like, any kind of time we hear from Amazon, it's it's like it's its own soap opera. All of these mega companies are, but Amazon just, it's like the one that you have a guilty pleasure to watch. <laughs> yeah, it, there, there, there were several big, uh news stories with Amazon and, and, uh, I'll start with the, I'll start with the with sort of the, the fun one is, um, Amazon is on track to buy MGM for about $8.45 billion. Um, and this is very typical. What we're seeing is a lot of, um, a lot of these big streaming companies buying these, uh, massive content properties. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, MGM holds the licensing for a lot of TV shows and franchises. And when you're Amazon and you have streaming services, the way you compete with Netflix or the way you complete you, sorry, complete, I mean, compete with Apple and these other, uh, these other big, uh, streaming moguls out there is, is to really have some unique content or own the licensing to the content so that, um, you can you, you can attract viewership, and so the acquisition of MGM was was a um, and it's it's in process. Um, but this but this acquisition means like um, uh, James Bond is is under the MGM uh, oh, umbrella. So Handmaiden's Tale, Fargo. Um, you also see properties like Shark Tank, uh, Survivor, and The Real Housewives. Um, also, another interesting one, which. Which this tickled me a little bit was the Apprentice is under the MGM umbrella really? as well. So yeah, Jeff Jeff Bezos is going to come back. Although although 
Jeff Bezos isn't around much longer, is he, in Amazon? Yeah, his his time is running out, um, and, and he's going to be he's going to be uh, taking a step to be chairman of the board, but no longer involved in operations. But uh, when I saw The Apprentice, I thought this was funny because um, he'll have access to all the behind the scenes uh-huh. of, of The Apprentice, uh-huh. and he can take that show in a different direction, uh, uh, you know, and and do whatever he wants to it. So, and and, and that was our. Uh, Former President Trump's uh, huge uh, show that that he was on, um, so so it's going to be interesting. And 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 uh, and Jeff Bezos and Trump ha- have been like oil and water, and so it was just sort of an interesting, it was sort of an interesting thing. It was like when I was scrolling through the article, I was like, holy moly! And uh, CNBC uh, uh, reported on it, and uh, I was like, I was like, wow! And I didn't realize that MGM had the Real Housewives, which is also another big franchise. Um, mm-hmm. And so for all of this to go over to, um, you know, over to uh, Amazon, what we could see is we could see some changes. We could see some of these shows go away um, or get rebooted um, or get uh, some much love. You know, you know, I, I think I think, you know, I'm a huge James Bond fan. And so, um, so yeah, yeah. I so so I mean, I'm always like I was like, where is MGM going with this and who's going to own all, all of this property with, you know, you know, with the James Bond franchise. But um, uh, OK, OK. Favorite James Bond character. Go. Uh, bad guy or good guy? There really is only one or two good guys. I see. See, I'm a classic Blofeld. I I really like Blofeld a lot. So, but 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 on the Blofeld, there's sort of a spectrum of which ones were good. Um, I also like Nick Knack. He he, he was also a favorite of mine as well. So, <laughs> what about you? I liked Odd Job because he was the inspiration for Kuglau in the Mortal Kombat games. <laughs> They both had this hat that would do this awesome twirly thing and cut people. I thought it was so cool. Or possibly the gymnasts in Diamonds Are Forever that would wrap their legs around uh, James Bond and try choking him while they were doing a trapeze act. Do you remember that one? Yep, yep. And, yeah. In <laughs> what it, it, what stuck out with Knickknack was that there was this famous line where he's like, Knickknack, Tabasco. And he walks in here with Tabasco. I'm like, why did we include this in such a campy version of Bond? Um <laughs> And, and a shout out to uh, another great podcast out there is James Bonding. That is one of my favorites where they rank and review all, all of the uh, James Bonds. Um, in, in, uh, so what was your first Bond? Um, it was or actually, who, that is. It was actually Roger Moore, uh, for your eyes only. Okay. Um, I don't remember why. I think my, my mom had brought home something from the video store, or it was on TV, or something like that. But I remember... For your eyes only. <laughs> and there was a scene where they're like underwater. And I think they have like harpoon guns. I think that's for your eyes only. Um, I also remember the one with Grace Jones. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That that was, was that the same one? I'm not sure if Grace Jones. It was, a, it was a Roger Moore movie. Okay. I know it was a Roger Moore Bond thing. Um, but yeah, that's, that. I was first introduced to Roger Moore. And then I got into Goldfinger. And Goldfinger is actually my favorite. Okay. James Bond movies for that reason. How about you? My dad also watched a lot of Roger Moore, and I feel like the Roger Moore uh, Bonds were on reruns on TBS a lot, so you would see yeah. them running quite yeah. a bit. Um, but my my first Bond that I fell in love with was Goldeneye. So that, oh, okay, later. Yeah, yeah. That, that that was the first one where I was like really into it, and um, also. Goldeneye got followed up by the N64 game. So everyone was playing the... the, the, yes. the and, yes. And that sort of introduced me to Bond because 
Roger Moore was just too campy for me. Like my my parents really thought it was really funny and entertaining, but as a kid, I was like, mm, I don't know. But then, but then when I saw Goldeneye, I'm like, oh, Goldeneye it, was very cool. Oh, satellites. Yeah. There was gadgets. There was a cool car. I mean, like Pierce it, it, Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. He is Bond. He absolutely kind of is that essence of what I would imagine James Bond to be. Yeah, and I thought, and I thought with him, he had enough camp that he was funny, but it wasn't like over the top because, like, there was some stuff with Roger Moore that, I mean, th- there was a scene like I remember my dad was watching one where like the pigeons do a double take after like a boat goes down the street or something like that. It was like <laughs> it was it was too campy for me, but I thought I I, I thought you know in Goldeneye a couple of scenes where he like straightens his tie after he's been underwater yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I, you know you know you know I think is is really good or. Or the scene when when he calls M the evil queen of numbers and she's standing behind him. I mean, like that's the kind of stuff that I really liked. And then and then I always loved Q. So so I, I oh I really, Q yeah. Q is another great character. I agree. Yeah, with you. Yeah. So do you think that the MGM hotel in Las Vegas is going to become the Amazon hotel in Las Vegas? Is there still an MGM hotel in Las Vegas? Is the first good question. There is an MGM grant. I don't know if it's affiliated with the franchise though, but I oh, that might be something okay. to follow up with. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I, I'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of what, you know, in this MDM acquisition, sort of all of the properties that that they pick up. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I also think, you know, if, if Handmaid's Tale, huge for them. Yeah. Um, and then and then also Shark Tank, which pulls in a significant amount of revenue. So this was a massive acquisition, um, you know, you know, for Amazon to be able to pull this in. Um, there was a lot of rumors with Amazon about them. Uh, uh, I still think there's conversations about them having a Lord of the Rings show, which would be a I've heard s- this. Yeah, huge chunk of money to be able to get that with thing like off the ground. With like a crazy large budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have heard this and my nerdy self is celebrating inside. I love this. Yeah, and I think it, it'll be interesting to see if, if MGM really gives them uh, you know, a substantial boost. Um, I, you know, I think Netflix, although, you know, lately they've come into question about that they're producing a lot of bad content. I don't really feel that way. I think that, that, that Netflix right now is shooting a lot of stuff out there, seeing kind of what sticks and some of the more unusual shows. Um, I actually, I actually enjoy, but, but I mean, I feel like, you know, to, to be able to compete with Netflix, you have to crank out some, some new content and some of these big properties yeah. like James Bond, um, are going to bring a big audience and they could also do like the star Wars thing of like, we'll tell a side story about M or we'll tell a side yeah. story about Q and they could spin up, um, you know, a Marvel universe or, you know, or, or like, you know, they're also thinking about like the Star Trek universe and th- those type of things. So, um, and I think, and I think Disney plus has really created this model when they bought, um, you know, like, like the Star Wars franchise when they bought that was it. That brilliant. Yeah, yeah. They, the Mandalorian. Yeah. 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 And they and they sort of brought that brand back, and they rejuvenated it, and then also we're, we're seeing some of these great these great side stories. So there is a lot of opportunity out there with MGM, and so and, and Jeff is still at the helm, so we're going to have to see because as he sort of phases out, uh, what kind of content we can expect out of Amazon because of this. On the other side of Amazon, I mean, I remember hearing during the pandemic that the working conditions for those in Amazon, the warehouses were subpar. There was the you know the, the people who were doing delivery that they had to urinate in bottles because, well, I I'd imagine it would be kind of hard during a pandemic. Um, there aren't public restrooms available and uh, I don't know what the best solution is. Although if someone needs a bathroom, they need a bathroom. Um, did we ever hear what happened with the working conditions for the people in Amazon, in the warehouses or doing the deliveries? 
Yeah, no, it's it, it's been kind of an interesting it, it's been an interesting conversation about the about the conditions with Amazon. I think that uh, th- there was a, a pretty significant story about about the drivers' conditions and 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 not being able to have enough time to go to the bathroom, um, and also a lot of technology being used where. Um, the drivers are being monitored for efficiency right. and monitored for speed. Um, and, you know, and, and I also think, too, there's a lot of little things like how Amazon hires contractors to do a lot of their deliveries. Looks like we're seeing some changes there. Um, but the, but these conditions are tough and they're very long hours during the holidays. Uh, workers, you know, uh, I think during the holidays were sometimes expected to do 13, 14 hour days. And and also, you know, in, 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 in very tough uh, conditions. So there has been some some reports around um, some some safety issues, you know, you know, going on with some of these factories. And so um, Amazon has been pushing very hard to to try to change their image to say, it's not so bad. Like you see them on Twitter saying, you know, we are paying $15 an hour. This is a great job. And they're taking out full page ads of, of work for Amazon. Um, so they're trying to get this out there. And there was also quite a bit of uh, some some Twitter videos coming out from from Amazon HQ saying, let's interview some of these factory workers and what it's like. And so they've been really trying to repair their image. Um, but while they're trying to repair their image, there, there was also some stuff that was very funny. Um, there was an article from The Guardian around that, that Amazon, in trying to improve the conditions in these factories, uh, wanted to create these like little booths where you can go and uh, watch videos about being mindful. And, and they're sort of like these little meditation phone booths. And so if you have an opportunity to check out The Guardian, um, their, their coverage of it was, was pretty brilliant. But Twitter had a heyday with this. So, so they, they called them despair closets, which <laughs> they, they do look like little telephone booths, like, like I, really I small telephone. Yeah. They look like Andy Gump porta potties, um, yeah. but with more design to them so that it doesn't quite look as tragic. But it's painted completely black, which... Which I don't know is to block out the sun. Yeah, I just it, they're they're branded, you know. I don't know, like they're branded like this, like blue black type thing, and and I think their their thought was, well, you take a break and you jump into this room, but I feel like this is really tone deaf. Like when I was when I was reading this, I'm like. If the problem is workers need time to go to the bathroom, um, the work conditions need to be safer. Um, they're worried about people uh, you know, like like monitoring our employees to you know m- monitoring these Amazon employees to a lot of you know about their efficiency and time and how quick they can do. Um, all these are workforce conditions things. How does the booth solve this problem? And how do you have enough time to like go into a booth, sit there, and watch a mindfulness video? Like it seemed like it was just way, way, way off when I saw this thing. And so when I was seeing all these like Twitter, uh, all, all these like Twitter comments and responses to this, I'm like, this was really a terrible idea. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, why don't we talk about more bathrooms? You know, I, when I saw it in the article, I saw what it looked like and I saw the people's comments on Twitter. My mind didn't go to the same place exactly. Maybe it's because I'm just that, I'm that far gone at this point. But I imagine that this was going to become the new Mile High Club, but at the at the Amazon warehouse, <laughs> so that you know you have a closed thing um, that is just large enough for a, a, some conjugal visit um, as a, in the middle of a busy workday, and it's called Amazon. <laughs> it's it's going to have like scented candles and pillows or what? Like it it just seems like they're asking for a rent by the hour motel. 
to be um, embedded inside the Amazon warehouse, I can't imagine that it's going to 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 stay open. I'm I just see problems with this. I I well I, I don't think that there's enough room to do anything. When I was looking at the when I was just looking at the photos of this, it barely looks like it could fit one person sitting inside the booth. I don't I don't know if you could actually get two inside, but yeah, I the, these things just look like a waste of money, you know. And 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 I know you know Amazon and and also Google has been trying out some new things. Although um, Google's answer to like sort of isolating yourself was you could push a button like this robot will come out and then put like this marshmallowy inflatable dome walls around you to give you some privacy. I mean, we're seeing these tech companies try to do some things, but a phone booth that has videos about how you can be more mindful and zen on a warehouse floor seems like you're way off. Like you're like, I, I, I would have rather than seen, let's actually give you all some time for some breaks. Let's give you access to bathrooms. Let's try to make working conditions a little bit better. I'm like sticking phone booths on a warehouse floor where you can watch a video. I, I don't know how they could even uh, withdraw from the working conditions enough to even focus on the content in one right, of these videos. Right, right, it, right, it just right. seemed like a, like a complete miss on this. Yeah. Okay. So um, my other favorite melodrama, I'm not a Facebook, Twitter melodrama person. I am a Google and uh, Amazon melodrama person. I think because I'm more of the Android type. Um, so Google has been in the news lately too. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. We've been watching, you know, there's been the Apple versus Epic case, which which continues to get nastier and nastier. Um, you know, d during the Apple Epic case, you know, we we learned a lot about how much money the uh well allegedly how much money the app store makes um when that number came out apple's like i don't think that that's correct but let's not make that public like it's been kind of comical to watch <laughs> um apple's response to in you know you know to epic as they're asking these questions and and also um i think during these cases you you know through discovery you you learn a lot of things so i think it's from ceos and executives it's like it's like you don't know this or you don't know that or are they acting like they don't know this and they don't know that um, but, but I think through Epic, you know, we, we've learned a lot. We've learned that, you know, what percentage Apple takes, we know we have a, we have a bit of a sense of how much revenue, you know, Apple makes on this. Um, but also there was a, there has been a case, um, the, the business insider was, uh, was reporting on a lawsuit that was brought by Arizona's attorney general. Um, in this, in this case was brought um, around May of 2020. And it was saying, you know, this case is around that Google is illegally collecting location data from, from smartphone users. And Google has sort of held this position around like data is what makes Google run. And it does. I mean, search um, is, is better because of the data that they use. You know, when, when I type in a restaurant, it knows my location. So if I type in McDonald's, it's going to choose the McDonald's that's close to me. And that's the type of right. search result that I want. It's helpful. Um, you know, Google Maps, the reason Google Maps is effective and it's a good tool is because it's collecting data. So, so it knows, okay, so yeah, I'm traveling here. This is approximately where I'm at. Da, 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 da. So it pulls in a lot of this data, but I use an iPhone and in, in, in my iPhone does say, Hey, are you comfortable with sending data to Google? And I say, when I'm using the app, yes, it's, it, it's fine. Uh, but I don't want it pulling data from me. Um, like, like some of these other apps, but what what was what was interesting was is 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 a part of this case. Um, it came out that Google like not only made it difficult for smartphone users um, to keep their location data private, but it was a conscious decision by Google 
um, to and, the, and, and these came out of internal Google documents to say we want we want to make it hard for users to decide to opt out. And so this was this has been very interesting because Google has been the company of like, well, well, we want to give you this option. You know, you can choose whether or not to share data. We'll give you this dashboard where you can see what data is being submitted to us. And Google has also, you know, has taken this pro-security stance and has actually told other companies, if you don't tell people about these security breaches, we're going to tell the world anyway. So th this was another moment where, like, we've seen this with Apple where it's like, they, yeah, they're passing judgment on others. And then all of a sudden that comes out about, like, yeah, you didn't notify users about this. And then this also came out about Google. And so it's a, so a lot of people were like, ooh, you know what, you know, how is Google going to respond? And in, in the in, in, and because these documents that that came through this process um, were largely redacted, um, the, the, the judge actually ordered that uh, these documents become unredacted in response to the request that is saying, you know, Google is, you know, is is actively collecting this data. They're making it hard for the users to opt out, um, and, and and it looks like they're asking for some more accountability in this case. And so, um, it, it, you're you're an Android user, so I, so I'm kind of curious. What do you think about this? I pretend this doesn't affect me. Honestly, I am so. There are certain things that I pay very close attention to, and there are certain things that if I think about them, I become paralyzed with anxiety about well. What is what does this mean for us? I, I'm I mean it's it's disheartening to hear about the, the the Google opting out thing, and I have to say it is hard to not share your location. I've had to be like, how do I not share my location? <laughs> I remember having to turn it off and be like, this is freaking hard. Um, it, part of me though thinks, and maybe I'm wrong here. You can you can enlighten us. Uh, countries have a lot to do with how these mega companies can can deal with your privacy. So like United States is still pretty hands off for a lot of this stuff, whereas Europe is a, has a lot more regulation. And I think with certain platforms, China just blocks them altogether. It's like, no, we're gonna do this on our own. Um, so I think that the lack of regulation, I mean, this, this is something that everyone talks about. I, I don't know if, if the US has a clause like for data privacy that like, you have to delete stuff after X number of days or X months or visits or whatnot, or um, you have to make it at least easily as accessible. Like there is no standards based on ethics that are coming back of, of governing uh, our, our privacy and our information. That's, that's really needed. That's what I think. But you know more about that landscape so I can get on my soapbox and tell you what the world ought to have, but you're, you're closer to this. So I'm, I'm very curious about what what you know and what you see. Well, no, it's a good question. I think I fundamentally believe that you should have the right to share your data um, as you see fit. Like it, it should be 100% your choice. And I think that the products that you interact with or the services you interact with should make it very clear to you when they are using your data or how they are using your data. Like it shouldn't be embedded in a 40 page terms and conditions document. It should be very evident. And, um, you know, we've talked about that, you know, Apple's uh, latest iOS update around, are you comfortable with this app tracking your location? Are you comfortable with this app taking data from websites you visit um, that aren't necessarily related to this app? I think making it that clear so that people understand how their data is being used um, is where I would like to see it go. 
Um, and I also believe in, in the right to be forgotten. I think that, that there are situations with people who um, say, you know, I, I'm no longer comfortable with this company having this information and, 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 and I would like to have it removed. And we have seen the EU um, pass some laws and, and they question the effectiveness. Um, we have seen some states that have that have passed some privacy laws that are out there that that I think are steps in the good in, in a very good direction, um, because I think there's there's the part of the story of companies are mining this data, they're monetizing it, they are they are figuring out ways to market to you, um, or they're taking it and they're reselling it to others. So so we're sort of seeing this you know this market that that a lot of people don't don't really know much about. Like it's it's like we're contributing our data to it, and in 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 like Facebook and others. Are taking this and saying, well, you know, I I, I can give advertisers a, a better sense of what's going on, and in very specific regions, and we can kind of figure out where they go, what they like to eat, what's going what's going on, and that's very very powerful. I also think on the data side, there's also the other side, and that's where um, it's these companies that have this information, and then something happens to it, and it be, and it's compromised, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and in some cases, they're you know we have to provide them information. Um, you know, one of them was was Equifax. You know, like all of us, part of credit in pulling credit reports, a lot of us um, interact with Equifax quite a bit. Um, we had the app on our phone. We, you know, we did credit monitoring. Some of us even had Equifax subscriptions. You know, and, and we we're saying, you know, I trust you. I'm giving you this data because I want you to share the data you have with me about, you know, who's making inquiries on my credit, all this sort of thing. Um, then they get compromised, and then really there's not a lot of consequence to them. And some some of their executives even made money off the deal. Um, so we're, we we don't see, and so I, so I, I would really like to see uh, laws and legislation that um, make it make it so that these companies that are in the business of mining data or 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 need it to monetize and in, in or or whatever function um, that's very clear to the consumer about how it's being used, why it's being used, and then I can choose to opt in and opt out. Like, like for instance, like we were talking about Google Maps, I'm okay sharing some data with them because I get a better experience. And I actually don't mind advertisers showing me ads that I wanna see. Because if you remember back in the early days of the 2090s, you would get ads for like hair loss treatments or ads mm -hmm. for, it was ads that you didn't really care about. So still do get ads for hair loss treatment, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but I mean, like, like I, I, I want ads for things that are interesting to me, not ads that aren't. So, so I don't mind some of that. Uh, but I think it needs to be people's choices. But, but I also think that there needs to be consequences to companies that aren't securing their data or do get compromised because saying, well, oops, I'm sorry, then I'm going to give you one year of free credit monitoring. Is it enough? And, and if you've been, no. a, if you've been a victim of identity and, theft and I have, yeah, yeah, that it's, it's not enough. And it's like, no. well, no, I trusted you. And I think, I think Equifax was one of them around. You're a credit reporting organization. Right, right, right. We, we, we trust you with this. Um, and, and, and so, and so I feel like that type of stuff is, is, is really where I would like to see the legislation go. Um, there's an irony to this in that I feel in some ways, Google is very happy to take from you a lot of very, very personal information and ways to identify who you are, and at the same time is putting up a filter such that you can't upload your own photos <laughs> so that you can give Google who you are. Um, because here's a way that you want to use Google for that information storage. And now they're coming out with, uh, I think very, very soon on June 1st, a, um, is it a pay for, ser pay for, for service with 
uh, with Google Photos? Yeah, we, we saw that this week. Um, I think it was on it was on Tuesday. Um, this was when Google went ahead and said no more to free photos. And so, and, and I've been a long time Google Photos user, and it was a great product because you could take all of your phones, you could take all your photos and videos on your phone and back it up to Google for free. Um, and this was wonderful. And, and, if, and if you were a, a person that takes a lot of pictures, such as myself, I really abuse this because I take lots of photos, back it up to Google Photos. It, it was great. Um, now, Google, like, they, like they've done in the past, is this was really used for them to, uh, by, by you submitting free photos to them, they were using your photos to really train a lot of their software to figure out some things. So uh, facial recognition was one of them. You, you were opted into that whether you liked it or not. Um, the ability for the photos to determine like, I'm looking for photos that have snow in it. We were training the software to know how to identify snow in photos, or I'm looking for dogs, or I'm looking for specific locations. We were training Google software as a part of us submitting these things for free. Google was getting something out of it as well. And so there, there was an announcement last year that, that, that Google was going to be ending its unlimited storage option and then, and then moving into uh, a model that we've seen from Apple where you get you know, a certain amount of free storage and then if you go past that, then you need to start paying for it. So um, they, you know, you know, Google provides about, about 15 gigs of free storage and um, and then you know once you max that, then you're gonna have to start buying. You know, I mean, you have to start buying some more space. So, uh, but the good news is, is that if you were a Google Photos uh, a member like I was, and I have thousands and thousands, thousands of photos that I have inside there, all the photos prior to this date um, are included in your package for free. Okay. So, so, so I'm yeah. taking a lot of photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh no, it, it's too late. Um, you know, I, I guess that's fine. It, it made me think again, maybe my mind's in the gutter. What about photos you don't want Google to see? Do they automatically get them? Or did you have to upload things to... I sound so sketchy as I'm asking this question. Please don't get the wrong idea. Um, but like, let's say you do have a photo of something like you have your private tax document or something like that that you take a photo of. It was backed up. Does Google actually have that on file now? Um, if you upload it to their service, they they have it, um, and, and you're not the only one that says. You know, I, I know a lot of people who take a picture of their of their passport, you know, and say, hey, yeah, exactly. I, hey I'm going to put in Google Photos. I'm going to share it with my family if something happens. I want to know. Um, there, there's also uh, there's been a number of parents who want to take photos of their children, but they're not comfortable with it being out there in the public. They're just yeah. and, and and I think. Um, and I think that, you know, again, kind of going back, you have every right to privacy. Um, but on the same hand as you have Google saying, this is a free service. So you you agree to certain terms and conditions if, if I'm providing you this, this free service. So um, I, I generally recommend to people that um, don't upload things into Google Photos that you're not comfortable with it going public. Because if there is something that happens... It's right. out there, um, but we are seeing services like like Apple's. Apple has some services where you can create sort of like um, folders that are sort of hidden. You don't see them in sort of the general gallery. You have to go into them. We're starting okay. to see some of these photo providers where where they're offering some some secure options because. I mean, you you can be somebody who's like, well, I want to take photos of my driver's license and my passport or my insurance while I'm traveling, but I don't want to take my wallet with me. This is just in case. But I also don't want this to be archived. So so we're seeing a lot of that stuff out there. Um, I I really I strongly recommend um, uh, LastPass. This is my tech tip of the of the week. If you you know you know check out LastPass, they have been a very uh, well vetted product um, to store your passwords, but also your sensitive documents. 
uh, because they have a lot of good security built in. And um, if you happen to forget your password or you lock yourself out, uh, they can't get into it. And they make that very clear that they can't even get into their into their own stuff because of the security they have wrapped around it. So I generally recommend for people to use LastPass um, when they're traveling as a password storage keeper, as, as well as storing uh, sensitive documents as well. So. Uh, but but a lot of people have been using Google Photos for years and storing their videos. I, I have photo frames that uh, tap into my Google Photo albums in my house uh, that I love, you know. And so and so now we're seeing them say, we're going to give you so much free storage moving forward, and then you're going to have to pay for it. It's just like my iCloud storage. I pay for every month. I, 99 cents comes out of my account I do every that month too. to pay for that. I do yeah, that yeah. too. And yep, it, yep. It, 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 it hurts me that, I, that, that I'm kicking in a buck every month to Apple, so... But I mean, I, I do enjoy the iCloud storage uh, from Apple because it, I, I mean, I had saved so many things on previous uh, technology that, have, that has now kicked the bucket that I'm thankful that I had that stored in an iCloud. Um, okay, you left us with some happy thoughts. So I don't need to change the direction and turn this into uh, like uh, you see Timmy at the end of Lassie or, uh, you know, uh, uh, knowing is half the battle moment from the G.I. Joe. <laughs> Uh, era of cartoons. <laughs> Generally, I, I like this this tech tip. I think we might want to keep this in here. Yeah. Because uh, I'm learning, uh, and so I, I think that that is worth our our audience. Uh, if anybody's interested in topics that they want to hear tips on, or uh, broader conversations, or things that you want to hear about the COVID corner, or as we're moving out of COVID, other sciencey kind of questions, uh, or medicine kind of questions, uh, we want to hear from you. So keep listening. Uh, subscribe, make sure you don't miss an episode, and you'll hear our contact info right after this. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Remember, eat some brunch and then change the world. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Brunch. Before we go, show some love to our podcast by leaving us a review. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can check out our website at sundaybrunchpodcast.org. You can also reach out to the podcast via email at thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. That email address again is thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, and this is for U.S. callers only, at area code 970-627-7445. Again, that phone number is 970-627-7445. Thanks again, and we hope you will join us next week.